0: Welcome to View from the C-Suite, where we have candid conversations with female executives about key business challenges, career advice, and more. This series is brought to you by Wong Duty, the global experience and design unit for Infosys. I'm Skylar Matson, your host and president of Wong Duty. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our global audience tuning in. And it is my honor to welcome my guests and all of you to the very first episode of View from the C-Suite, Women Leaders in Conversation. Today's topic is on collaborating for success and partnership in the C-Suite. And I have two guests whom I admire for their success and their approach to leadership and partnership. The first is Aruna Ravichandran, VP CMO of Cisco WebEx. Aruna holds a degree in computer engineering and an MBA, no big deal. She's passionate about digital transformation. She's held several executive leadership positions in both engineering and in marketing. And she's been named one of the most influential women in Silicon Valley. Aruna, thank you so much for joining me. I also welcome Angela Zapata, CMO of Hyundai Motor America. Angela is a seasoned marketing executive, passionate about building brands, driving business results. She has led some of the best known agencies in the world, driving successful brands in automotive, financial services, healthcare, package goods. She's also an expert in marketing to women and has spoken on the topic Uh, at conferences around the world. Thank you so much for being here, Angela. Thank you. I wanna dive right into this content. We have 28 more minutes together and you both have such great insights on what we're about to talk about. Uh, How to build a culture that really fosters collaboration. The Infosys Knowledge Institute is soon going to be releasing some research and This research showed that the lack of collaboration across teams, especially technology and marketing teams, is the number one challenge companies are facing. So how do you build a culture that drives that collaboration? And if you could share any practical suggestions that you may have for this audience. Aruna, let's start with you. How are you building this culture at Cisco, and has this, how do you do this? Has this changed since we all started working remotely?
1: Definitely. So if you think about how do you actually build great teams or successful teams, great teams have, in my mind, three things in common. Number one is intellectual diversity, and I'll talk about that. Number two is psychological safety. And number three, a purpose worth fighting for right? So let's talk about intellectual diversity. So in this current world, when you think about the word diversity, it's primarily used to basically refer to racial or gender diversity. However, intellectual diversity goes much, much, much more beyond that. It includes all aspects of the person or the group's opinion experience as well as a perspective. When people come from different backgrounds or People come from different experiences, cultural experiences, uh, technology experiences from around the world. They bring a completely different perspective across the board. That's why I said having intellectual diversity within the team is extremely one of the key traits when you think about collaboration. Uh, The second thing is psychological safety. Right. So when you think about psychological safety, it's not about people feeling safe it's the ability to be for people for teams to express their opinions when you have creative ideas you shouldn't have fear in order to basically express your opinion so it's about being able to build a culture of risk-taking that in turn fosters innovation and builds teams right it's mostly about trust for a manager in order to really understand you know, what the team is actually capable of and giving them the ability to express their opinions without having to worry about um, you know, whether they're going to be heard or not going to be heard. That's why I said it's about psychological safety. Teams need to feel safe. So that's the second element. The third one is something which I hold very, very close to my heart. You need to have a purpose in order to fight for. So if you think about it, when you have, when you wake up in the morning, we all, when we wake up in the morning and we come into our jobs, you need to have a hunger in your belly, a purpose which makes you say that yes, Trey, I am actually going to do this. And so, how can you actually build a culture where teams can come together and have a dedicated purpose which they can actually fight for? So, when I think about these, these are the three important elements: uh, trust being a very important component of the whole three elements across the board. But today, you know, given COVID, previously when we were all face-to-face in the office, I would say it's much more easier to have the face-to-face collaboration. But with the pandemic, things have radically changed. And so what what do I mean when things have radically changed? Because there is no longer the opportunity to have the face-to-face collaboration. But having said that, technology has changed tremendously. And so I would love to quote what something which our mission and purpose is to basically strive for, it's to create 10X experience than an in-person interaction. And that's what technology can actually do today so that you can continue to have that connection across the board in order to basically build the collaboration within the team. So I would say if you focus on those three cultural elements and leverage the technology, which is now available for you today, you know, you can continue to foster and build very strong teams.
0: I mean, Cisco WebEx is our life right now. This is how we are collaborating in this time. It's, it's very interesting to see how things have changed. I'm wondering, I love this issue of, of psychological safety. You know, you have to feel that you're able to speak up. Do you think remote work or using a platform like Cisco WebEx Enables that even more. How does that come into play?
1: Uh, that's why I said, right. So one of the key important purpose here for us at Cisco is to basically power an inclusive future for all right so when you think about that particular statement i actually live and die by that and uh, the first element i talked about in terms of being able to have that intellectual diversity is important and so technology can absolutely help you do that why is that previously before the pandemic people would not switch on their video but now it's it's by default right like you can't even join a meeting without switching on video because you crave that personal connection uh, the technology has a lot of various different attributes let's say you're in a large meeting and you know you know you, you like something that you're hearing or you don't like something that you're hearing you have the opportunity to basically put the reactions you can put a thumbs up you can put a thumbs down you can even actually put a heart you know you can communicate that right so being able to express within technology um, further fosters the connection um other i can give you other examples when the whole pandemic actually changed you know people have started to work out of their attics they started to work out of their bedrooms but with the technology and people were uncomfortable when you talk about the psycho- psychological safety you know they they have felt uncomfortable in terms of being able to join a meeting because they were worried whether they would be judged by their co-workers. Now with the technology, you can change your background. You can change your background to be in a beach or you can change your background to have the exact office environment you were actually used to, right? So you could blur your background. Uh, And so technology has gone long ways in terms of being able to enable teams uh, to basically have that psychological safety.
0: It absolutely has. In some ways, we're more face-to-face now than we ever were. And there's, there's sometimes a, more of an intimacy when you're in other people's homes with them and you're seeing their pets and their children. And that in itself, I think, is driving a new type of collaboration that's maybe a little bit more informal. Um, Angela, I want to hear from you. I know that you are driving collaboration, especially in the C-suite at Hyundai. Can you tell us how you're doing that?
2: Well, I loved everything Aruna just said, and I I love – I feel like you put a lot of academics to what I think I knew – instinctually. Um, My background is in advertising and being in a creative environment, you know, collaboration was at the core constantly. So, you know, that psychological safety and being able to work with teams and actually being able to share ideas was really part of the process. And I grew up in that whole world my entire career. When I made the switch over to the client side and came into a marketing department at Hyundai, you know, it had not been such a collaborative environment, but we have all new leadership. And I do think probably purpose or vision is the biggest thing that drives, I think, a culture to have people work in a whole new and fresh way. And so I'm one of those newer people that's been brought onto the the C-suite by our CEO, uh, Jose Munoz, who is amazing. And, you know, I just brought that instinctual nature to the table to very much ask for opinions. Um, The technology has been amazing. I I loved seeing everyone in their home environments. And a couple of people on our team had just had a baby and they would, no, bring the baby into the picture, you know? I mean, it just, it helped, I think, um, make everyone feel very comfortable. And so while I didn't have the, the academic steps that Aruna just so brightly Played out for all of us to hear, it is an important way for you to work. And, you know, being open, um, sharing agendas and working towards a shared, you know, vision as a company and as a group is really important. And I think it's up to, you know, management to really lead that charge and to really lead that that's the way we're going to work moving forward. And that's been the way we've been working for many months all through this entire pandemic. And, you know, the same thing happened uh, with our dealer body. You know, we had to get very close to them. They all had their own personal businesses, it was very challenging through the pandemic as government mandates were shutting down areas, potentially that could happen again if COVID spikes and it's very, very challenging. So staying connected even through our network, not just even our people here in our corporate offices was really important and technology played a huge role in that Um, and it did help bring people together. You know, I'll make one last comment for years, we'd been trying to get um, you know more of an online shopping and buying experience with our dealers, and challenging when you have an industry that's really rooted in the way that it's been doing things successfully for so many decades. But the pandemic and not being able to have people in showrooms led them to sign up for all these digital retailing tools that we've had in place, ready to go. They just needed to sign up for them, and so I think that behavior change realized, you know through this unfortunate situation that we had to move into a new direction. And they are saying they're having a closer sort of, uh, I would say as a relationship, but the transaction with the customer is much more personalized. And that's just building better customers for the future. And that experience and actually signing, you know, the final paperwork for the car is really important. So there's all kinds of dimensions about, you know, how to collaborate and how to, um, do it in a way that maybe we don't have see each other physically, but you know, this connection we're having through the camera is is a pretty good mimic, I think. And I think it's about being open to just accepting the fact that it, it's a little different, but it's exactly the same. And so um, I just think that it's in the spirit of everyone to learn how to collaborate and bring everyone together um, through the platform. And I totally agree, video is key. At the beginning, you know, lots of people didn't like to show the video, but it just became the standard. And so you just, you just gotta, you just gotta go with it and turn on that camera and, and, and just make it part of your life. So I think it's been an amazing transformation in a very short amount of time.
0: It really has. I mean, transformation is the word. And I love that you brought up not just the collaboration that's necessary in the C-suite, but collaboration among so many different stakeholders and clearly your dealers are so important. I, I love that silver lining of the the dealerships sort of being resistance to the use of technology and this sort of digital way of selling. And then now suddenly realizing that they must embrace they must. They and must it's taking
2: the benefit. And it's, and it's, and it's better, you know, it has definitely its inputs that just make the entire experience much better and deeper and richer. And once they got past the hurdle, I think of, I think the fear of the technology and what that would mean for disrupting their businesses, they were all in. So that's been pretty remarkable. Yep.
0: I think too, you touch on a point that I want to sort of shift and talk about next, which is it's technology and marketing. It's, Uh, technology driving collaboration. I mean, technology, technology is so important. I'd mentioned this report um, that Infosys Knowledge Institute did. They interviewed 750 CXOs from around the world. And they started this research at the very beginning of 2020, like back in the good old days before all of this happened. And then they had to go back and do it again in April so that they could see if there had been a shift in attitudes or in behaviors. And the theme of the report, uh, like this webinar, is really the importance of partnership, the importance of collaboration. And then, of course, how technology drives all of that. And one of the things the report talks about is sort of these shifting roles between the CMO and CIO, where the CMO is responsible for brand resilience. We hear resilience a lot during this time and the CIO is responsible for business resilience. Angela, can you talk to me a little bit about brand resilience? How are you helping Hyundai, the brand, stay resilient through this time?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. I love the way you set it up between um, brand and business resilience. For us at Hyundai, I mean, we are a genuine brand. We are foreign owned. I mean, we're a South Korean owned company. A lot of people still can't say Hyundai right. Actually, Hyundai is not the right way to say it, but they tell us to say it this way. So we don't really ruin it Hyundai like Sunday. But, you know, it's about transparency and it's about shared values. And as a brand marketer who spent my career building brands, it was finding that center of truth. I think that we could connect back to the customers. One of the things we did at the very inception of the pandemic when it first hit, uh, we relaunched our Hyundai Assurance product on March March 20th. And um, that was a product that was modified for the pandemic or what was happening with COVID. But essentially it said we had our customers back. So if you'd bought a car or had a need for a car, if you were financially impacted by COVID by the end of this year, then you could defer your car payments. Um, and it just gave that little bit of assurance that You know people did need a car there was a really good time to buy a car because the incentives were high for most auto manufacturers put really good incentives on the car but also you didn't know what the future was so it was a little bit of that safety net and we got a lot of responses from consumers saying they so much appreciated just understanding i think the stress that people had at the beginning of the pandemic and nobody knew what was going to happen including us but that was a good first step out and then i think we were very thoughtful about what to say when did we go back to really talking about our vehicles we had new product launches we had to get out in the market but you don't want to be tone deaf to where you're just selling 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 when you know the world is sort of hurting and it may not be appropriate so watching for those messages and the way we communicated was really important because it was all about transparency shared values and then really understanding what was happening happening topically culturally So we we seemed very much in step in what, you know, consumers were thinking and seeing and feeling. And, you know, thankfully, I think we did a a pretty good job through all of this. But again, you know, we watch it very carefully and um, nobody has the crystal ball. So but it, it is definitely the way to keep your brand, I think, very healthy and very resilient during this time. You just have to be able to pivot and be very flexible um, because every day it was changing and it still continues to change. Um, But that is definitely the new norm moving forward.
0: I love that. Transparency, right? It's all about building a consumer's trust. And I do think that transparency, especially when... So many crazy things happening and yeah. if people don't know who to trust or what's right. If a brand can be very open about what's going on and honest about the things they know and don't know and how they're planning for it, uh, that is absolutely a great way to build brand resilience. Aruna, how about Cisco WebEx? How are you building brand resilience at this time?
1: So, you know, when you think about brand, one of the most important elements, and I think I addressed that in the previous question as well, is to have a brand with a purpose. Right. So when you say brand with a purpose, what does your brand actually stand for? For us here at Cisco, our purpose is to basically power an inclusive future for all. This is where you have and you have to live by that particular purpose day in and day out so when you think about at a very high level what is the purpose when you wake up every day you need to build a purpose which employees feel that you know it's worth fighting for and that needs to be communicated in everything you do so whether it is about hiring and recruitment or whether it is about leaders managing a team Or it's whether about the social, the creatives, which, you know, marketing teams actually build in order to uh, activate on multiple different media channels, it needs to reflect that particular purpose uh, in terms of what you actually do. And so so here is an example. So when the whole... our purpose has always been in order to per, in order to uh, power an inclusive future for all. And if you look at our ELT, our leadership team, you know we have a 50 50 percent in terms of diversity across the board, right up to our trucks level. And we take a lot of pride in terms of making sure that. It's not just about diversity, but the entire quad-generational workforce. When I say quad-generational workforce, for the very first time in three decades, we have a quad-generational workforce in the market. We have the baby boomers who should have retired, but have not retired, and they're still working way into their 70s. Then you have the Gen X. Then you have the Gen uh, Y or the millennial population. And lastly, you have the Gen Z who are just coming into the workforce for the very first time, a quad-generational workforce. So how do you basically create an environment, a brand with a purpose, which will actually drive this quad-generational workforce in order to basically uh, um, collaborate and work together in the market? So in my mind, anything you do when you when i think about brand resilience it always starts with that brand and the brand needs to have a purpose because purpose drives engagement and everything you do in terms of your mission statement in terms of your vision statement and in terms of your values whether it is marketing whether it's engineering whether it's it it does not matter you know you have to basically make sure that every employee across the board feels that they actually you know um you know feel that they're fighting for that particular purpose and so everybody shows up every single day and when that actually comes together that's when the magic happens so here when i talk about you know being able to power an inclusive future for all our mission like i said is about creating 10x experiences than in-person interaction It's not 10x better experiences, it's 10x better experiences than in-person interaction. And so what we do on a day-to-day basis, whether it's our engineering teams, whether it's our marketing team, it's about being able to drive towards that particular mission so that we can actually build an inclusive future for everyone.
0: I love that point about engineering and marketing and all of the other disciplines within a company driving toward that same purpose. Also fascinating, four different generations in the workforce right now, and you know, I, I couldn't help thinking that this—the millennials and the Gen Zs—are really the generations I think that have driven brands to be more purpose-driven. They've really, they've really demanded that. You know, I'm thinking earlier on when I started working with clients we weren't talking about purpose as much. It was, you know, how are we going to market this? How are we going to drive sales? And I think that it, it has been a wonderful shift. Uh, I'm wondering if if you think there have been any other shifts in the role of the CMO and the things that CMOs now are responsible for, like driving a purpose, uh, has, you know, either through the pandemic or just, you know, over the past several years. Have you seen a shift in in the role of the CMO, Angela?
2: Uh, Well, since this is my first CMO position, uh, yes, it's very different. And, you know, what I always tell people, it's so fascinating to me. Advertising is just a very small part of my day. I'd like it to be more because I love it still so much. Um, And it's the very creative part of what we're doing to, you know, elevate our brand and continue to make an emotional connection with consumers, which that journey continues for us at Hyundai. But, you know, it really is about business. And I I realized this years ago when I was in ad agencies and and doing lots of new business pitching, You know, when we were talking to prospective new clients and they were telling us what their business issues were. They weren't marketing issues, they were business issues. And so the role of the agency was to come back and provide creative solutions that were to help a business problem. And that's really what my role is now as a CMO. I am part of the C-suite. Those meetings I'm in all day are about driving our business. And my role as CMO is to bring marketing or creative solutions that are going to help us get to those overall business goals. And so that's a really different place to be in than to spend all day just doing creative concepting or coming up with creative campaigns. Those days are really gone. The, it, there's a lot of creative, but it all has a lot of purpose to it, and it has a lot of weight on it on what it's supposed to deliver. So, you know, and again, going back to data and technology, we've gotten so much smarter about what is working working what isn't working and then you know optimizing pretty much in real time in some channels to make sure that we're really getting that right message out at the right time and that's really the change I think is that the technology and the data and just the way that we have to um, show that our investment is working to get to an uh, overall business or financial um, goal that the company has is is a really important part of my job and I would say the the primary driver of it um, without a doubt
0: yeah I mean marketing and creativity you know was once viewed as an art, and now it 's such an art and a science and it 's leading even more into the science and the data and the analytics that drive who we should be talking to and with what message, which has also been a really fascinating shift. I want to shift gears a little bit. we have about six minutes left. you know this is women leaders in conversation, and I want to spend a minute. Hearing from both of you about some of the women who may be early on in their career joining us today from around the world, Uh, if you have any advice, anybody who's watching who may want to be in the C-suite one day, Aruna, what advice would you give them?
1: Uh, So for me, I would say, you know, having the passion. Passion drives everything. Like, like, and it goes back to the purpose, right? So if you are passionate about something, you're passionate about the purpose, you're passionate about your role, it basically takes you to the next level. And that's how I've actually led my entire career. Um, you know, I spent about 10 plus years in engineering roles, uh, starting my life at uh, HP. Uh, that was the, this was in the early 90s. Uh, and so at that particular time, you know, I didn't know the world of marketing. But now uh, having lived through both careers, both on the engineering side, as well as the marketing side, it's extremely important you know, to find your passion. So uh, when I made the switch from engineering to marketing, I get asked this question uh, all the time, You know, why did I make the switch? Uh, it's because even while I was in engineering, my passion, I was customer obsessed. It's about being able to understand. When I was in engineering, it, it was about making sure that I can build products which will basically solve customer pain points. Now I'm in mean, marketing, it's the exact same thing. It's being able to build the messages, which will land very well with the customer in order to solve their customer pain, uh, pain points, right? So the passion is absolutely critical and important. So that's one. When you have a passion for, to make a change, you know, basically make sure that you follow through. And I'll give you two of my quotes. For me, strategy without execution is hallucination. You know, so I, I'll also say I have a degree in get shit done. So I would pretty much say that when you have a passion, you know, don't lose focus. Make sure that you follow through. You know, it when you have a strategy, understand whether you, you have to believe in it. And then you are the one who can actually make that happen. And so don't take a no. So passion is one. Uh, the second thing is. When you are growing up, especially I I have a couple of uh, examples, find a mentor and a sponsor. There is a difference between a mentor and a sponsor. Mentor is someone who is there for you in order to basically give you guidance and coaching. Uh, You know, you you could have multiple mentors across the board. They could be internal within your company. They could be external within your company. You basically go to them in order to get guidance based upon their experience in order to solve certain challenges you might have. But a sponsor is completely different. Sponsor is someone who's an advocate for you. It's awesome if you can find a sponsor internally within the company because that particular person will be a huge advocate. And it doesn't matter whether it's a male or a female, it's about, the the level of, um, you know, opportunity they have in order to influence and advocate for you. So again, make sure that you are able to find mentors and sponsors earlier on in your career, which will make things much more easier and you'll have the opportunity to bounce off ideas. And last but not the least, there is this concept called breaking the glass. (laughs) And so I actually have gone through that uh, a couple of times earlier on in my career. So when I used to basically, you know, passionately advocate for something it would be viewed as you know she's breaking the glass if somebody else actually made the comment especially if it's a male it was like it's acceptable right so how do you basically drive a balance between that and I'm a firm believer that you have anything you do do it respectfully but at the same time when you get when you get a pushback that you're breaking a glass ask for examples. And that's what I actually learned because people will make offhandish comments saying that, okay, she breaks the glass. So give me an example of what you mean by, you know, why why do you think I'm actually breaking the glass? And if there, there is a genuine example, it's okay to course correct, right? So it's, it's an important part of the learning. You have to have an open mind uh, in order to basically change behaviors as well. But don't just take that verbatim across the board. You need to have the ability in order to, you know, respectfully challenge people when you basically encounter certain situations like that during your career.
0: Oh, so many great things there. Passion, find a sponsor, a degree in getting shit done. I love that. And asking for examples, pushing back a little bit if you're getting feedback that isn't quite resonating with you. Angela, I know you've got some great tips as well. What advice would you give to some of our viewers today?
2: Well, I, I loved everything Aruna just said, and I totally agree. I, you know, for me, I get asked this question a lot, and I'll just synthesize since I know we're getting short on time. But, you know, I always tell people to be patient. I know that's a really hard thing. But, you know, you have to you have to prove yourself and, and, and sit a little bit in a position for a while before you can really go on to the next one. And it's okay. Um, I was passed over for some positions in my career. Um, you know, I had to wait uh, for things to be, you know, offered to me when I thought they might be at an earlier time. You know, eventually you will get to your goals. And I, I agree, the passion to keep going, even if things don't go your way or on your timeline, do not let that thwart you. And for me, it's great work. Great work stands out. That's how you get mentors. That's how you get sponsors. You get recognized through your great, consistent work. And don't ever let the gas up on that. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're there to do to provide for your part of the company. And when you do great work consistently, I'm telling you, it worked on my behalf many, many times. Um, I am a hard worker. You know, I love what I do. But, you know, I, I'm also very reliable, and I think people just realize that over time, you know, I was I was here to stay, and I was very serious about what I was doing, and, you know, it ultimately paid off. But I have to be honest, it, it's been 30 years in the making, so that's when I say be a little patient, because it didn't happen overnight. It certainly didn't, but the journey's been amazing, and so I wouldn't take away anything that I learned along the way, for, for sure, so... You know, just um, if you got the passion, you've got the work ethic, um, I, I would say that you will get to your goals absolutely 100% true.
0: I love that. Work hard and focus on the work you're doing, not the promotion that that you're trying to get. I can't believe how quickly these 30 minutes went. I have so many great takeaways about collaboration and partnership and brand resilience and breaking glass and so many other awesome things. I think your passion has come through. And I believe that when you you really love what you do, you bring a positivity to it that makes you a natural collaborator, that makes you a great partner and a motivating leader. So thank you both so much for sharing that passion with all of us. And two minutes over, that is a wrap on our very first episode, View from the C-Suite, Women Leaders in Conversation. I hope you will all join us again in Q1 when we return and the conversation continues. To find out more about Wong Duty's work, transforming businesses through human experience, go to WongDuty.com. If you're a woman in the C-Suite and would like to be a guest on this show, please reach out to me at womenleaders